When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. 6.30 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 6.30 Chad. Well, the Edmonton Elks feeling good after that big Labor Day victory and a big name added to the defense, Derek Moncrief, officially announced by the team today after it was reported during our uh, Inside Sports edition last night after the Elks victory. So there's a guy who can help the linebacking core of the Elks getting back on the field tomorrow, Saturday, the rematch against Calgary, a big chance for the Elks to sweep that one and get above 500 after dropping their first two games of the season. Big day for Canadian tennis. You heard Brendan Escott talking about it in sports. Leila Fernandez off to the semifinals. Felix Auger-Aliassime ready to play a little bit later on tonight. Blue Jays and Yankees are tied 1-1 in the top of the fourth. My name is Reed Wilkins. Thanks for checking out the show tonight. We will go straight to the hotline presented by CertainTeed, professional-grade building materials. I'm pleased to welcome back to the show the president of hockey operations and general manager for your Edmonton Oilers. It is Ken. Ken Holland checking in. Hey, Ken, you're on with Reed. How are you doing? Good. Nice to be with you. Yeah, thanks a lot for checking in tonight, Ken. I appreciate it. It's always good to chat as we're counting down to training camp, the preseason, and then, of course, right into the regular season. I, I want to touch on a couple other things first, though. You're, you're a member of the management team for Canada for the Olympics that are going to be in February, and it was confirmed last week that NHL players are going to go. So, you know, I'm wondering, so many great Canadian players. I, I think there are some obvious selections like Oilers captain Connor McDavid. Uh, how does this play out as, as it goes on? Do you, do you and the other guys kind of start with a list of players and, and pare it down? Can a guy play his way onto the list? How does it work? Well, we started, um, we being a management team, started uh, probably right before the season started uh, this year in January. And then... Uh, met every month um we we all had a, a division uh, and a secondary division and we we all you know it's we being doug armstrong ron francis don sweeney roberto luongo myself scott salmon from hockey canada and uh, every month we we talked and went you know did a an evaluation of all the players and then uh, last week um i think 56 player list a uh, long list was announced, and basically the Olympic team has to come off of that uh, that list because we have to submit that list to uh, to um, the IOC, you know, for for testing and such. So uh, now we'll uh, I'm here in Banff actually for three days with the, the coaching staff and the management team of uh, um, the Olympic team, and we're we're doing an orientation camp. We're going to have a uh, um, Thursday, I think we're going to have a, uh, a Zoom call uh, with the players on the long list, and then uh, we'll go back to uh, evaluating in October, November, and December. And I don't know the exact date, but sometime uh, in December, um, we will announce um, the Olympic team. 
For, from your standpoint, and look, as we've seen since uh, 98, NHL players have gone to the Olympics, except they, they didn't go to the last one, and, and this one kind of didn't get decided till Friday, like I referenced. You know, from your standpoint as a manager, why is it valuable for the NHL to have its men in these games, in the games in general? Well, Reed, I think first and foremost, the, you know, the, the players really want to play best on best. It's It's every four years. And players want to represent their country playing against the other best uh, hockey players in the world. Um, and then, um, you know, I obviously I think it's an opportunity on that platform to showcase, um, you know, our players and, 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 and all the great players that uh, our league has around around the world. And, and uh, it's an opportunity. You know, I've been fortunate to be with the Olympic team in 2010 in Vancouver and 2014 in Sochi and, and uh, a couple of uh, world championship teams. And anytime you get to, uh, you know, represent your country on a, on a world stage, it's, it's an honor. Ken Holland joining us tonight on Inside Sports. As, as we roll into the season, we continue to deal with the challenge that is known as COVID-19. We saw, obviously, two NHL seasons, uh, regular season shortened as a result. The Oilers had several games rescheduled last season. It was an ongoing story here in Edmonton the last couple of weeks with what happened with the Edmonton Elks. So it's out there, you know, teams, athletes, managers and coaches, staff all have to deal with it. Uh, the NHL announced some some plans uh, in the last couple of weeks that you know unvaccinated players could, you know, be suspended on a day by day basis depending on what's going on with them. Um, it, it just I don't know how much you can share, but are you know are you comfortable with the Oilers' uh, vaccination rate and just the uh, the attitude overall you've seen from your team in terms of dealing with it? I think for the most part, um, you know, obviously vaccinations are, uh, 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 you know, it's a choice, um, you know, and, and uh, I think many people, most people uh, in all walks of life, I, I don't know, I don't know what the odds, what the numbers are, the percentage, but uh, lots of people decide that uh, they want to be vaccinated and some for personal reasons um, don't want to be vaccinated. And I think probably... Um, you know what goes on in the real world always obviously goes on in uh, you know the NHL and, and all these other leagues and and, and all, you know it's in, and, and, and it rarely is something a hundred percent so uh, you know obviously we're two weeks away here from training camp and we're probably you know we play I think eight preseason games seven of them in uh, in Canada one in uh, against Seattle and then our first three home games are uh, in Canada so we're probably uh, you know, good six weeks away from from when we travel. So uh, we'll see what where we're at here uh, over the next couple of weeks. We're all waiting for information. You know, as we go along, are things going to change? Are they going to remain the same in terms of uh, you know the border? Uh, last year there was a national ex- interest exemption. Uh, right now there's not. So you know, there's lots of unknowns. Nobody knows how COVID's going to go. You know, it's 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 a guessing game. Obviously, there's the you know the Delta variant. So there's so many unknowns that um, take it day by day, and and we try to uh, educate our players. You know, Doctor Naidu, our team doctor, um, who's also I think involved with the Edmonton Eskimos. He ran the bu- NHL bubble in Edmonton and um, TD Force. You know, we 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 want to make sure that we keep our players 
as informed um, as we can on a on a on a regular basis as to um, you know the protocols and 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 how they how it's going to affect um, our team and them individually. Yeah, Ken. Uh, switching gears here to uh, some of your player personnel and things that could happen on the ice. It was uh, about a month ago that Darnell Nurse got his contract extension, eight years, seventy-four million dollars. So a long-term commitment for a player who's been a huge part of the team really ever since he became an Oiler, and especially uh, last season where he, you know, scored a, and produced points at a rate that he hadn't before. Uh, you know, maybe just your perspective on how this came together and how you see here uh, the future for Darnell Nurse where do you think this player is headed well I mean obviously uh, you know I believe he's, he's he's trending upward you know by the, the commitment uh, that that ultimately I made the final decision on obviously talking to ownership and Bob Nicholson and 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 and, and uh, you know keep people in my organization but uh, um, you know as we went through the process uh, um, you know, a month in advance or six weeks in advance of, uh, you know, was, was it July 28th? You know, they, they, we, we, we couldn't sign Darnell until basically the free agent day because that's the CBA. So, you know, I reached out to say that I'd like to engage uh, to find a solution to uh, to an extension. And over the course of the next, uh, you know, four or five weeks, obviously lots of, lots of things happened in the marketplace for... Uh, you know, elite defensemen um, went up dramatically, and um, you know the, the market basically gets set. You either can get into the market, or you you, you, you run the risk that players are gonna are gonna move. And I, I think that uh, you know Darnell's 26 years of age. He's really, you know, he's he's six foot four. He's he's, he's gifted with. Um, he's, he's he's a great skater. You know he's in the gym. He's powerful. He's a powerful man. He, he eats up a ton of minutes um, for our team. And um, there's no chance. There's no way in my in my mind we could risk uh, losing Darnell if you, you know, if we lost him, um, starting all over again. I mean, it's, it's those those kind of players like Darnell. You you got to draft them and 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 develop them. The odd time they 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 jump from one team to uh, another via free agency, but you're you're not the only team in free agency. You're one of many teams that are bidding for these types of players. So uh, ultimately made the decision based upon really the marketplace that was that was sort of ongoing to uh, to do the deal. All right, it, Ken, do you have an update on Kyler Yamamoto, who remains an unsigned restricted free agent? Anything going on there? Uh, I've touched base with his agent, uh, J.P. Barry, in the last couple of days. We plan to talk. Um, obviously, we've got uh, work to do or else he would be signed by now. Um, you know, anytime there's a player who's not signed, there's a difference of an opinion. Um, but, uh, you know, you just, you know, basically uh, we talked a lot all oh, three, four weeks ago and then kind of decided to kind of let's take a break. And, Again, much like I said with Darnell Nurse, it's, uh, you know, let a marketplace sort of uh, surface, you know, get some comparables. And, uh, you know, we plan to talk here in the next uh, next couple of days and we'll see if um, we can find a solution. Certainly, uh, um, the, 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 the plan is to get him signed here at some point in time and, 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 and prior to training camp, because ideally I'd like to get into training camp um, 
with everybody signed, but at the same time, it's it's you know there's the business aspect of hockey, and and the deal's got to make sense for Kyler and his agent, and it's also got to make sense for the Edmonton Oilers. All right, and and Ken, I'll wrap up here. A, a player that uh, who was on your team last year but didn't get into a game was was Alex Stalock, who wasn't able to play at all last year. Uh, but, you know, has had some pretty good runs as a National Hockey League goaltender. You obviously have Mike Smith and Miko Koskinen under contract as well. Um, I'll ask you kind of how you see Stalock fitting in and if there's a greater likelihood of, you know, maybe a team or all teams carrying three goaltenders um, because of possible, you know, COVID issues or expanded rosters or anything like that. Well, I talked to I actually talked to Alex and his agent yesterday for for a while. Um, you know, he's kind of, he's going to be in training camp. He's obviously signed to a, a contract. Um, you know, he had 20 wins two years ago, and and uh, he's motivated. He came into a tough situation last year. We picked him up out of waivers and off of waivers, and everybody sort of you needed three goalies, and you know, it's a short season. Mike Smith was uh, was was was. I think he played 32 of the, the last 45 or 46 games, and and um, you know he didn't get really get a chance to play. So I know he was real disappointed. Um, I think he's played. I know he's played in a summer league in Minnesota, summer professional league in Minnesota this year. Feels very good about uh, about his game, and he's coming to camp. Um, you know, he told me yesterday he's coming to camp, obviously trying to push for a job. I mean, he wants to get back. He wants to play in the NHL. He understands that he could wake up, uh, you know, on October the 10th, 11th, when we got to submit our rosters and and be be on waivers or be in Bakersfield. But but he's coming to training camp looking to, uh, you know, push. So I think that's a good thing for. Uh, I think it's a great attitude for a player to come into camp with, and and I, I think it's great for the for the Edmonton Oilers. I would say to you right now. You know, I would. I'm, I'm planning that we're going to carry two goalies, but um, you know, based upon, like they said, the circumstances, um, maybe we carry three. But I think ideally, I'd like to carry two. Okay. Well, Ken, always appreciate your time. Thanks for touching base on COVID and uh, your role with the Olympic team, and of course, uh, some of the Oilers storylines here as we move toward training camp. Enjoy the work there with the Olympic team, and I'm hopefully we'll uh, we'll see you here in Edmonton in a few weeks if we can if we can maybe yeah, do yeah, things I'll in person. I'll be there by the, by the weekend. Yeah, I'll see okay. you. Okay. Okay. Take care, Reed. Thank you. Bye. Thanks, Ken. Ken Holland checking in, president of hockey operations and general manager for uh, your Edmonton Oilers. So uh, working on it with Kyler Yamamoto, as Holland said, still uh, uh, when you don't have a deal, there's a difference of opinion there. They got to figure out. And Alex Stalock, boy, Rob and I got asked that a lot last year. Stalock going to play? Is Stalock going to play? Well, he didn't play, but he's going to be in camp. And as Holland said, he's coming to camp to try to win a job. Holland does also point out, though, his preference would be to carry just two goaltenders, not three, once we get into the regular season. So uh, good update there from Ken Holland. Good to have you tuning in tonight. Blake Dermott with more on the Elks victory and a look ahead to trying to sweep it against Calgary on Saturday. 3.30 Saturday is going to be the countdown to kickoff here on 6.30, Chad, and the game will start at 5. Fernando Pisani coming up a little bit later on. He's involved in a uh, pretty exciting initiative as a member of Oilers alumni. He's going to tell you what is going on there. Bill Daly, the deputy commissioner of the National Hockey League, was on earlier today. Oilers now with Bob Stoffer. That's noon to 2 every weekday here on 6.30, Chad. And uh, Daly touched on the negotiations with the Players Association about the vaccine policy. 
or, or different opinions. I, I think both sides are very much aligned in, in um, encouraging players uh, and everybody associated with our game to, to become fully vaccinated. And, and we think, you know, it, ultimately it's going to be essential to, to, to a person's ability to continue uh, working in the game. Um, so, you know, obviously um, uh, we came at it from an aggressive standpoint in that regard. I think the Players Association did a, a you know a, a responsible job in representing the interests uh, of their constituents, um, and you know as with any negotiation, it, it was kind of a you know a, a, a bargain deal that uh, that uh, you know we we certainly didn't get everything we wanted or asked for, um, and the Players Association kind of felt the same way. So it was a long process. It took us a long time to kind of get to uh, pencil down um, but we did that last Thursday and, and we issued the protocol and we're in the process now of kind of educating all the clubs uh, and the players on, on what that protocol entails we do think uh, the protocol you know we have a high level of subscription already to to kind of players and, and other club personnel being fully vaccinated I think uh, we expect um, you know the better part of 95 percent of our players uh, to be fully vaccinated by the start of training camp uh, and we think that the, the protocols that we issued last Thursday will actually encourage another segment uh, of the unvaccinated players to, to become vaccinated. So, um, you know, it's all a process and, and uh, we're, uh, we're moving forward. All right, a little bit there from Bill Daly, Deputy Commissioner of the National Hockey League. All right, we had Ken Holland on the show. Yeah, he said it. You can't risk losing Darnell Nurse uh, down the road. That was one of his... Bullet points says he signed Nurse to that long contract extension last month. Three receivers to the left, two to the right. Wilder's in the backfield. He'll protect now. He'll release, but going deep with the ball downfield. There it is. Antler up Edmonton. Touchdown, Elks. Ernest Edwards takes the first pie out of the oven, and the Elks have the lead. Ball again pulled away from Wilder, and again, looking down the seam, there's that. Oh, what a yes, great sir. catch by Mike Jones. Unbelievable. He reached up and got that one before he goes out of bounds at the six-yard line, and the Elks are knocking on the door again. Harris takes the snap, drops back, looks, pulls it down, then throws to the far side. It is complete inside the five. Touchdown. Andler up, Edmonton. Touchdown, Elks. James Wilder Jr. gets his first in green and gold. Edmonton takes the lead. Wilder will get it, and he gets a hole across the 20 to the 25. Still going to the 30. Still on his feet to the 40. Oh, my. What a run by James Wilder Jr. Harris pumps once, then throws. Oh, he's got a man wide open. Mike Jones has it inside the 10. He'll walk the dog to the end zone. Adler up, Edmonton. Touchdown, Elks. The Edmonton Elks have finally won themselves a Labor Day classic they defeat the calgary stampeders by a score of 32 to 20 well i think more offensive highlights in that game for the elks their fourth game of the season in the first three combined of course they only scored one touchdown in the first two games at home lost them both they did get a touchdown on the road against the bc lions and got the win but four touchdown passes from trevor harris yesterday 398 yards passing James Wilder Jr. with some big plays on the ground and also caught a touchdown pass. The Elks defense did enough, and they get the win. They get the win to improve their record to 2-2, two and two, and now are trying to uh, sweep 
trying to sweep the Labor Day home and home series against the Calgary Stampeders who sink to one and four, an unusually poor season so far for the Stampeders. Blake Dermott, former member of the double E football team and now our analyst for the Elks here on 630 Jed is on the line. Blake, how are you doing, buddy? I am doing just great, Reed, and a lot better after yesterday's results too. <laughs> well, I'll tell you what, I, I think a lot of people are. It was, uh, a, I mean, it wasn't, and I, I referenced this on the show several times, it, it wasn't a pleasant couple of weeks to talk about Elks football because their game was postponed. They had these COVID issues. I, I think the organization, well, I know the organization was unhappy with how some elements of the story were being portrayed, though I, though I stand by the things that were, were said on this show. Um, but it has to be a little bit one of those breathe a sigh of relief victories for everybody in that dressing room. Well, you know, I think what it was was a, a really good job of managing this thing by the organization and by the guys in the locker room. And typically, when you see something that surrounds an organization that has uh, a lot of negative they try to internalize that and turn it into a positive. And uh, I was talking about this in the pregame yesterday about how this had become a, well, it's an us against them kind of thing. And, you know, we know and we're, we're, we can't, we can't listen to the noise outside of this room. We just have to, we have to truly believe in each other. And, and I, it, I mean, the result was obvious yesterday on the field. I, I mean, they, they, there was some really good signs in that BC game. It's too bad that they had to miss the next game, but, the, the the building the, the, it was starting in, to build in that BC game and then of course with two weeks of of negativity surrounding the team those guys just really did uh, they did a great job of turning it into a positive and 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 it was a nice progression from that that BC game where you know this was a team that they had struggled with even being uh, some would say having the right to be on the field with them in that game over the last decade. And uh, and and really, they they came out and 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 showed it with with a little bit of a you know there was a little bit of a speed bump there about the midway through the third quarter when you know there was some some things that kind of uh, stopped momentum that happened. There was a, a series of penalties. There was a ref injury. There was a bunch of things that, that when when a team starts to get on a little bit of a roll, you hate to see those things. Anything sort of put a a, a pause to it, but but they were able to to respond and they responded really well. You know that. That uh, Wilder run that was uh, just an epic run where I, I counted, I think there were seven guys that tried to tackle him before he went down on a 29-yard run. And, you know, from their own 10-yard line, it just got him out of a hole. And then you mentioned uh, uh, the way that uh, the ball was being tossed around uh, yesterday. Uh, Harris threw the ball. It was it was some of the most beautiful passes, like dropping the bucket passes, two of them to, uh, to Jones. Uh, and and he just he was able to pick him apart. Did he played really well? And and of course the offensive line with with the uh, amount of injuries they've had at that left four, four games in a row they've had a different left tackle. You know just for people that don't really understand that it, it, south of the border and in most teams in football because of a right-handed quarterback the highest paid offensive tackle is your le- highest paid offensive lineman is your left tackle. That is hist- historically the way it is in football, and f- and and they've had a different one for four games in a row, and uh, and and they continued to win and play really well yesterday. Wesley did a really nice job at that position. Yeah, absolutely stepping in, and uh, you know the the. One of the most exciting plays in the game, and the one that put it away, was the long bomb touchdown to Jones on that uh, drive that ended just after the three-minute warning. The little pump fake by Harris, 
and you have the Calgary defense thinking, okay, the Elks are going to play ball control offense, even if they don't gain a lot of yards, keep the clock moving, all that kind of stuff. The little pump fake by Harris and Jones speeds by everybody and gets the touchdown to put it away. Now, the story came out after the game that that play was at least to some extent drawn up by, by Greg Ellingson. Now, you've been in offensive meetings and offensive huddles and all that kind of thing. How often does that happen in a game where a player, whether it's a receiver, quarterback, offensive lineman, will actually suggest something? And when they do do that, is it a brand new play or is it just a modification of an existing play? Well, you know, sometimes it's funny. I I, I remember uh, years when when and it, typically this happens with a young quarterback, but it, with veteran receivers. I mean, there there was rules put in place where you don't say anything in the huddle because the quarterback's got to get the play out. Because there were some receivers that had the confidence level to say, "Throw it to me. I'm open on every play, and I'll do this, this, and this." You know, so so those kinds of those kinds of discussions happen a lot. Um, where they talk a lot with each other, and uh, and yeah, there will be there will be things that we'll do, you know, that w- would have been done blocking scheme wise, where because they were doing certain things that mm-hmm. you you're able to to make an adjustment in the game that is not in the playbook. So that that happens a lot, uh, a lot more than people think, um, and because and those those talks do happen, and especially when you look at the the technology that's involved now, you know, with the iPads on the sidelines where they can visually look at a play in a defense and say, see, when I do this, this guy's doing this and the quarterback can see it. And, and these guys are such, uh, uh, you know, they're, they're good athletes and they're smart athletes and they can make those minor adjustments uh, on the fly uh, a lot more and a lot easier than they probably could have in the past. Yeah. I, I always love those types of stories. I mean, I've had Mookie Mitchell on the show, how Doug Flutie would just come up with little wrinkles in the huddle when he was with the Argos and then they would just kind of go from there. Right. But that's what, that's what I love about football, Blake. It's there's so much to it. We, we saw yesterday, a lot of it is just beating your guy one-on-one, whether it's Ernest Edwards or James Wilder or, or uh, Williams uh, shedding tacklers to, to get all the yards or the, the little mental adjustments that players have to make throughout the game to figure out the other guy's tendency or to go against their own tendencies to throw the other team off. Well, and, and that's an interesting thing about this sport. I mean, so much of football is very static. You know, you start with a static play, you start with a static defense, and, and then, then it becomes about reacting to what they do. And offensively, you're not, so much as, you're not so much reacting to what defense does. Defense is mostly that way, but the offenses are designed nowadays to be able to react to, uh, react to defenses a lot more than they ever were before with things like read option plays where, where the quarterback goes to hand the ball off and they got the RPOs, these uh, run-pass options where they, they they will hand the ball off to a guy if a defense uh, the, the defensive end does a certain thing if he doesn't do a certain thing then you pull the ball and they pass it so way more reactionary the offenses are and very much uh, uh, more difficult for defenses to be able to play against them like they used to be 20 25 years ago it was so static before but now offenses have evolved so much and that's why you see and, and this is what's a little bit surprising within the first few weeks of the season here that you know, they always say the the, the CFL has such high scoring offenses and, and high scoring games, but the games have been relatively low scoring. Uh, but I think a lot of that has to do with the fact that they, there maybe there wasn't an exhibition season and and uh, there's been such a changeover and guys haven't played for two years and the things there's other other factors that make that happen. But but the offenses in today's football are designed to be way more uh, uh, high scoring and with rule changes that that add to that. But it's it, it makes it a lot more exciting and and a lot 
lot more reactionary. So the discussions and the changing of plays that happen on the sidelines are, are much more common than people would think. Yeah, well, and I think the scoring was up. Well, the scoring was up a little bit this weekend. I mean, the Elks got to 30. I know Saskatchewan and Winnipeg was low scoring, but I thought there were some good offensive plays in that game. Um, Montreal. Montreal rang up <laughs> Ottawa. And I think, honestly, Blake, I think Hamilton could have scored 50 on Toronto, but they just got bored. <laughs> like that score flattered Hamilton big time or flattered Toronto big time, I thought. Well, it's nice to see that because that's what we expect. And and what's, uh, you know, the other thing too is that uh, you're starting to see some other uh, other quarterbacks stepping in and, and playing better. I, I thought I thought that even in the Toronto game, Beth Thompson came in there at the end and and, and looked pretty good. And and Dane Evans has looked really good in Hamilton in the, in the last two games that he's he's played. So. So you're starting, and, and, and Mayor, the guy in Calgary, that kid in Calgary, uh, three games in a row, he's put up over 300 yards. That's uh, that's pretty impressive. It's just, it's like I said on the broadcast uh, last night, it, this is just not, you know, people that, this is not the same Calgary team that we have seen for the last 10 years. I mean, this is a, a good team, but first of all, this is not a team that strikes fear in the hearts of other teams. And you could see that when BC went in and beat them. And you could see that when, when Toronto went in and beat them. And, and, and you know, yesterday, uh, the Elks were intimidated when they got on the field against this team. So some of that mystique is gone. And, uh, and I think there, there was a lot of times that it, over the last three or four years that we would say, boy, you know, uh, Bo Levi threw for 180 yards and they still won the game. And how did they do that? Because they didn't play very well. Well, I think a lot of that had to do with that, that there was so much respect given to that organization. And now they're like everybody else. they got to earn the respect. And and uh, and that's going to be interesting how they respond to this because they come to Edmonton on Saturday, and if the Elks beat them now, they're 1-5. and five. And they're now thinking, okay, what are we going to do about next year? Because one in five in 14 games is going to be awfully difficult to be able to respond uh, to respond positively to. Yeah, and, and you should. I should mention, Bo Levi Mitchell did play a couple of those games that they lost. So it's not just solely his injury that they are they aren't doing as well as they used to. Though you know, we do expect Bo Levi to play on on Saturday, and that'll probably give them a little bit of a burst. I want to ask you, Blake, about roughing the passer. And we know that in football in recent years, the the leagues on both sides of the border have added further restrictions as to what you can or can't do to a quarterback. I I thought the two late hits on the Elks yesterday were justified. They weren't huge hits, but they were late. I thought the players, Boateng and Moore, had time to see that the ball was gone and and known that they should have gone out of the way. Uh, The Elks successfully challenged for the uh, the roughing the passer call where Harris got his uh, head turned by by the hand that got in on the side of his face mask, the one where Harris slid, and yes, the Calgary player touched him. To me, Blake, I'd be fine if the flag didn't come out on that play because I, I think the defensive player has to be allowed to react to the movement of a quarterback, and, and if a quarterback is going low, I don't think a defender. Uh, you know, it should just be accepted to say, okay, I'm just going to assume he's going to slide. And then if he doesn't, you give up all these extra yards. I mean, to me, there's a bit of a follow through that maybe should be allowed if it's not vicious and it's not to the head. Uh, how do you see that? Has it, has this pendulum swung a little too far now in how it's enforced? Um, I, I would say that on, on the whole, um, I would I would be in favor of the protection that they've given to the quarterbacks, um, and and you you mentioned four incidents yesterday that happened, and I would agree that every one of those incidents was roughing the passer, 
Um, when a, when a quarterback is is going onto the ground, there is no way that you should be touching that guy. It, it just he's giving himself up. He's done. He's he shouldn't be. You shouldn't be diving at him. You shouldn't be doing any of that stuff. Um, sometimes there are there are instances where I go, ah, oh, that's a little weak. Like where a defensive lineman is 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 rushing and and gets tripped up and his momentum goes forward and he falls into a guy and it happens to hit him below the waist even though he's trying to get out of the way of the of uh, the hit or what those are the ones that I question but I understand why they're in place because they want to protect the quarterbacks in a quarterback driven league and they don't want to let them get hurt so on, as I said on the whole I'm in favor of protecting those guys. I, I think that they should be protected. I, I think there are times, though, that, that, you know, if it's 80% of the time, they're great calls. There's that 20% of the time I go, oh, that's a little bit ticky-tacky. And, uh, but I don't, I don't think I saw any of that yesterday. I think that they, they, uh, they made the correct calls to protect the guys yesterday. Yeah, well, I understand what you're saying. And, I, you know, there's uh, – I kind of explained what I thought about the slide, but I understand what you're saying too, that if a quarterback is sliding, it's, it's zero tolerance to, to touch him. And, and I think I, you and I could debate it or fans could debate it, but I think the league has decided that, that they would sooner err on the side of ticky-tack as opposed yeah. to err on the side of not making a call a couple of times and then – later in the game a quarterback gets belted and gets hurt because the defensive player thought it was going to be a legal play and i'm and that and that's why i say i'm in favor of the, protecting those guys for that like it, every once in a while you're going to you're going to get a call where people are going to roll their eyes and go oh my god but it's a soccer uh but uh but uh, the reality is is that um i think it, it, over the over the course of a season the majority of those calls are going to be the correct calls all right well, Blake, thanks for checking in, man. Always love having you on the show. Uh, hopefully I'll be able to wave to you up in the booth on Saturday as the Elks <laughs> go for the sweep here in the Labor Day series. Really appreciate your insight, buddy. Well, I think this Saturday I'm on the field, so you can wave down on the field for me, and I'll, I'll have to bring some sort of a chair and make sure I got an umbrella just in case it rains because you never know what happens in a home game. It's, it's not going to, but you never know. <laughs> yeah, that's a great point. That is Blake Dermott checking in tonight, our Elks analyst, looking at some of the key plays, the roughing the passer calls, the play drawn up by Craig Ellingson to get the touchdown against the, uh, against the, uh, did I just call him Craig Ellingson? <laughs> that's, of course, his name is uh, Greg Ellingson. Uh, for the Edmonton Elks, the play drawn up by Greg Ellingson to help uh, Jones get the touchdown to put it away late in the game. Training camp in a couple of weeks for he and the rest of the Edmonton Oilers. Blue Jays leading the Yankees 4-1 in the bottom of the fifth. Canadian Layla Fernandez continuing her great run at the U.S. Open. She's into the semifinals today with a victory over Alina Svitolina of Ukraine. Of course, Fernandez from Laval, Quebec, just 19 years of age, took the win 6-3, 3-6, uh, the number five seed in the tournament, so a big victory for Fernandez, who uh, had an interesting answer to a question after the match. What is it that they're feeding you up north in Canada that is producing such incredible, inspiring tennis this week? I would say it's the maple syrup. <laughs> There we go. The Canadian maple syrup. That's what truly powers our athletes. Now the rest of the world knows whenever we win, it is the maple syrup. That and we spend uh, most of our uh, childhood racing polar bears and wrestling polar bears, which builds up our athletic prowess as well. That and the maple syrup. That's the secret to Canadian athletic success.
<laughs> oh, that was pretty funny. We had the we had a commercial there earlier this half hour. Angie Quinnell's back at the six thirty Chet Broadcasting Compound. Angie, we had a commercial there. I heard for a show called CSI Vegas. Now, isn't that isn't that isn't that just CSI? Wasn't or isn't CSI set in Vegas? Is there now a CSI and a CSI Vegas? We got to get to the bottom of this. As far as I knew, it was. There was a Vegas already, but the latest one I've heard is NCIS Hawaii. But that's di- the NCIS is different than CSI, yes. isn't it? Yes. Okay. Yeah. But I know there's a bunch of CSI stars. Like I think there was there was CSI or there still is. And then uh, what was the one with David Caruso where he always took off his sunglasses? Was that CSI Miami? Yes. I think that was. So there's so there's CSI, there's CSI Vegas, there's CSI Miami, and I believe there's also CSI Vegreville. Okay. Where the uh, the CSI team is stationed in the giant uh, Pisinka, the Easter egg. So I, I believe that's another uh, off offshoot CSI Vegreville. It says that is it debuting this year. I just quickly googled it and it said CSI Vegas is coming back. So that's maybe what we're hearing. Is okay. Can back? you also see when CSI Vegreville debuts? Because I definitely will watch that one. All right. I'll Google as quick as I can for you. All right. We're going to find out about CSI Vegreville. Uh, we're also going to talk to, oh, Ben, two days in a row, we got a St. Albert hockey player on the show. We had Colton Pareko on last night. Fernando Pisani, former Edmonton Oiler, is going to check in. He's doing some great work with the alumni. He'll shed some light on that. 630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630 Chad.